Are you glad to be in the house of God today? I just, I'm just lucky to be here. I used to think I was smart, and that was why I followed Jesus. And now I just realize I was just lucky. I was just lucky that he chose me and that he chose to give me the revelation of what this life is all about. And he chose to adopt me into his family. And what a great uh, pleasure and honor it is to come to the house of the Lord with you. Um, you know, we don't talk about this all the, that much because, I mean, it's amazing that this happens all the time here. But um, we had somebody give their life to Christ at a small group uh, this week. Look, it happens all the time. And um, we had somebody give their, their lives to Christ after uh, the ladies had their t sex talk on Friday night. So, like, um, if you're new, I'm Pastor Corey. This is Pastor Aaron. And uh, Pastor Aaron just did a, uh, with some of the venue gals, just did a talk with the venue ladies, uh, you know, in a packed house about sexuality. And, like, let's actually talk about it in, in church. Um, and so anyways, so, uh, so that was great. And thank you, Pastor Aaron, for doing that. And thank you, ladies, for doing that. You guys did, I assume you did a great job. I wasn't there. Um, and men, you, you owe me for that as well. You know, there's always a venue man that, uh, at Valentine's Day, which is on Tuesday. Come on, guys, we got to stick together, man. Um, which we're definitely not going to forget. There's always a venue man that kind of goes above and beyond and does something romantic and awful. And then, and then the rest of our wives are like, why aren't you like that guy? And uh, this year, I just wanted that guy to be me. Cue music. Can we get... There should be music playing. Can we get Pastor Aaron on stage? I just love you so much. Come on stage, baby. Come on stage. Oh. Oh, come on. Oh, look at this. Oh, no. Would you, would you marry me all over again? Please say yes. I can't take the flowers back. She's not gonna do it. It's not okay. <laughs> oh, you can't unhear that song. You can't unhear that song. Oh my goodness, that was amazing. I don't want to preach anymore. That was just funny. Um, <laughs> welcome to our series about sexuality, everybody. Um, this uh, series is called The Birds and the Bees. You know, it's funny that uh, Pastor Aaron has an interesting relationship with uh, flowers. Um, 
And, and Valentine's Day is, is she put her hood over her head. She used to uh, hate, when I met her, she hated Valentine's Day. She thought that Hallmark made it up just to sell expensive cards, which is like, well, that was what I was thinking. Um, so she thought it was uh, Valentine's Day was pointless and, and a waste of time. And so I got her one Valentine's Day. I think I got, I got you. It was on Valentine's Day, maybe. I got her a, I, I had a rose painted black and gave it to her. And she thought that that was amazing. <laughs> I actually proposed the day after Valentine's Day because she didn't like Valentine's Day and uh, made all of her dreams come true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to think that I could figure, uh, figure my wife out. You know, um, so I would get, I would, I would go to the flower, you know, I was thinking I, I should, you know, I, I'm, it's a little foggy because it was, you know, a lot of years ago. But I think this is, I think I would go to the, to the grocery store and be like, oh, I should get her flowers. And then one of the ladies there would be like, oh, you don't get your wife flowers from the grocery store. And I'd be like, oh, like, where do I get them? And so then I would go to the flower shop and pay, you know, twice the money for them and get her flowers from there. And so I did that, um, and, it, and it worked the first time. And uh, she loved the flowers. And then I think I did it again because, you know, once you find something that works, <laughs> just like, I'm like, oh, I got to figure it out. And so then I brought her the flowers again. And then she, then she looked at them, but she wasn't, I don't think she was as happy as the first time. And I thought, well... But I figured it out. And she says, well, why don't you just buy them at the grocery store because they're cheaper? <laughs> I'm like, but the lady said that if she knew how much those roses cost, she'd be angry right now. Because in her mind, she's such a budgety person that in her mind, it's like, well, you could have got the same flowers at the I'm like, that's what I thought. But then somebody said, that's not how love works. And then, but then, you know, um, I thought moving in, you know, with my, with my wife when we got married was going to be like moving in with a buddy from high school that, well, no, that's what I thought, right? So you get mad at me. This is my story. I'm being vulnerable here. I thought, you know, like, what are you going to argue about after a couple of weeks? Like, what do you want to watch? Football? Okay. You know, like, not, not complicated. Marriage is a bit complicated. Because, you know, you, you do something and it works one day, you know, and then, and then the next day, she's like, don't touch me like that. And I'm like, but yesterday, but. And I finally, I did finally figure this, you know what I'm talking about. I finally figured this out. I finally figured this out that you can't figure it out. Because here's the problem. They changed the rules. And tomorrow the rules are different. And then sometimes you come and they've, they haven't changed the rules. They changed the game. And they're like, we're not playing that game anymore. I'm like, but I like that game. No, I don't want to play that game anymore. No, I don't. This doesn't feel connected to me. I'm like, but. And I finally figured it out. It's because she's crazy. I finally said, I can't figure you out. And she, she finally goes like, you get it. Now you get it. And I'm like, I get what? <laughs> um, last week, we talked about sexual choices, trying to separate the concept of sexual choices 
from sexual identity. In fact, not identifying uh, ourselves sexually or today I'm going to kind of explore this idea of like, why are you identifying yourself by anything on this earth that isn't going to be here in a few years? Um, you have an eternal identity, son and daughter of God. And uh, so we need to be looking to heaven and, and looking to Christ for our identity. But um, this week I'm talking about uh, something called sexual uh, beliefs. And I have an interesting sermon title that I'm going to drop here in a minute when I feel like emotionally you're ready for it. Um, sexual beliefs. Now, we act outwardly from what we believe inwardly. So too often I think we spend all of our time trying to counsel our behaviors, which is good. But you're acting out of something you believe inwardly. And what you believe inwardly, can I say this? It will override what makes sense. Um, so let's just go here. Um, you did not invent your own sexual belief system. It came from someone else. Do you know who it came from? So I just want to add that right in the beginning. Say what you believe about sexuality didn't come. You weren't in the desert and had a dream. And all of a sudden that became your sexual belief system. Or an angel came to you. But even then it came from somewhere else. So what you believe is a common belief held by a million people that you think is special to you. That's not. It actually came from, there are many voices out there trying to get you to believe in what they believe. So I think you can really break down this whole sexual belief system into two authors. I think you can break it down into God and you can break it down into anything else. So, but you're, what you believe will override anything that you see. That's what belief is. It's something held so deeply inside of you. You didn't get married because it made sense. And you're like, oh, she has black hair. I have black hair. Some of you, I know some of you are like, well, I believe about sexuality scientifically. You think we're making scientifically informed sexual decisions right now. Your sexual imagi imagination is scientific. That's the world you think we live in right now. Science. I don't believe in God. I believe in science. There's a lot I could say about that. But I feel like you've already received it because you think it's ridiculous. Now, your belief system will transcend logic and facts because your belief system is no longer evaluated. Now, here's the thing. You should have a belief system in something greater than you. But you no longer evaluate what you worship. Because it's not worship if you're evaluating it. The worship of God our Heavenly Father is like perfect worship. It's a perfect scenario. Because there's three things about God. There's so many things about God. But if I could pick three, there's like, He's good. He is the definition of good. He's never not been good. He's never incrementally been bad. So he's good. He's a good father. So if you had a bad relationship with your father, you're going to have to like change how you think about dad because God is always there. He's good. He is the definite. He is everything that is amazing. He wants the best for you. He never wants to harm you. He is good. The second thing is he knows everything. So a belief system in something that doesn't know everything is a problem. He knows everything because he created everything and he knows you inside and out and he's good. 
And the, the third thing is, he's not selling anything because he doesn't need anything. You believing what he believes doesn't make him any more secure than he already is. He's already God. He already, like he's got it. Your worship doesn't make him more God, less God. He doesn't have a bad day when your worship sucks. It's not like he's like in heaven like, oh, I just don't feel as fulfilled, you know? He's not. He's God. He's going to be God. He always was God. So a belief system in that, when you're not evaluating that anymore, when he evaluates you, that's beautiful. Like that will work out for your benefit always. It doesn't mean that life is going to be easy, but life is going to be filled with purpose. And Christ followers are the only people on earth who know why we suffer. Because we have purpose and we're at least the suffering is for a purpose. And so, um, but every other belief system does want something from you. If you think about it now, what if what I believe, you know, here's, here's a question. Maybe I should ask, how would you know if what you believe is wrong? Cause this is what we say. I would know if I was wrong, you would know what you don't know. Cause you, you already believe something about this. There's a sexual belief system out there right now that is destroying society that is not being evaluated anymore. In fact, there are those holding certain sexual beliefs that have held themselves up to here saying, you dare not question us or convert us while they're converting you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, nothing, it's not logical. There's nothing about this argument that makes it logical. And that's what you have to do when you have a sexual belief system that won't stand up to anything is because it won't speak for itself. So then you have to go and put a gun to somebody's head and be like, believe what I believe and tell me that everything that I believe is right. Well, if it's right, then argue it and show me by the fruit of your life that it's working, you know? Um, now what I'm going to talk about today is something widely accepted in our society, but I'm going to start with something that used to be widely accepted, but isn't anymore. And I want you to start equating the two things uh, with each other a little bit. So, so, um, you know, I was thinking about, about a young girl, you know, if pastor Aaron, when she was seven and, and this is a dream that she never had, you know, she, she woke up when she's seven and be like, mom, I have this beautiful dream that I married this, um, amazingly good looking Sensitive, <laughs> patient, smart. How much time do we have? <laughs> Humble. Mom, I married this man, an amazing lover. And his name was Corey. And we had four daughters and we lived in bliss every day. And then that's a dream a lot of girls have, but no girl in today's society. And then, and then she would say to her mom, and he had multiple wives and I was wife number three. Today's sermon title is called polygamy. Come on. It's called polygamy. Now just, now just, oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Every man right now is in a very tricky, <laughs> very tricky place. Can I talk a little bit about men and a little bit about women here? Because every man has disassociated themselves from me for survival. 
And they're like, you're on your own, Pastor. You've done a lot for us, but uh, this whole idea of, like, don't leave a man behind. Like, look, we can't all die. You know, like, it's just, there's no point. This is... Even after I told Pastor Aaron to have that sex talk with your wives, and now you pretend you don't know me? <laughs> now, men, just psychologically, we're just glad that, that when a woman gets mad, we're just glad if it's not us. So we're different that way. So at school, you're just glad if it's not, if they didn't find out what you did, and some other guy is getting yelled at. There's no communal protection services going on. You know what I'm saying? We're just glad they didn't see what we did. And we're just like, whew, yeah, that guy. So can we just, so if, if, a, if, a, if a man and a woman walk into the room and they're arguing, girls, whose team are you on? I live with five of you. I know. I have to clarify, I live with one wife and four daughters of you. I said that one time and I didn't clarify and I'm pretty sure somebody didn't come back to church. Like, oh, it's that kind of a church. Well, no, it's... It doesn't matter what they're arguing about because y'all women hunt in packs. So when I say the word polygamy, y'all hunt in packs. Now, and then what you do, because I'm going to say it, then what you do is you're like, you see to your husband, that's what's wrong with men. And he's like, you know, like, keep looking shocked and move slowly towards the food. Like, yeah, baby. You know, because we're just glad it's not us, right? Has anybody ever gotten mad at your husband because of a dream that you had about him? And I was being chased by a bear and you didn't save me and that's exactly what you would do. <laughs> that's what problem, the problem with men is. I, I want you to feel something when I say the word polygamy, which you already feel. I want you to feel it because you should be experiencing the same outrage towards something else that we don't anymore. Now, listen, the fathers of faith in the Bible, it's confusing in the Bible because you read like Jacob had multiple wives and David and Solomon had a thousand, uh, a thousand wives and concubines, right? And you're looking at that and you think to yourself, well, that must have been biblical back then. No, it wasn't because God created Adam and Eve and himself in the garden. So that's biblical. What they actually did was they actually gave into societal pressure that society for hundreds of years said was okay. And not just okay, but necessary. And so to give into societal pressure, they said yes to something that God didn't say yes to. And we look at societies, if they have the, the, the hold on truth, when that used to be what they believed then, and we trust society, but the trouble with society is that it's made up of people. Have you met people? 
and desires and see we allowed society back then to add to what God called a family to add to marriage because in the beginning he gave us one plus one plus one Adam plus Eve plus God equals one a whole integer like you can be whole this way but then society's like you know what you can't get too much of a good thing this is mostly the man I'm thinking going for this one. <laughs> mostly too much of a good thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to add another one. Then we might add another one. But the trouble is as soon as you start adding to what God didn't add to, you start dividing. So then you put yourself at the top and put a slash. And then you start dividing yourself. And the enemy, he loved this because that whole polygamy in those families. I mean, you look at the complication in those families. And here's what I want to say about men who are like, but still... You want somebody else? You need another person in your life to tell you that you're an idiot? You need more people that you can't figure out. And the complications of it. But see, you'd have to tell yourself a story that made this stance make sense, wouldn't you? Like, the women in this scenario would have to tell themselves a story it's like, well, I guess it's, you know, I don't, I don't know what you would say. Like, I guess it's nice to have help around the kitchen. <laughs> I guess I, I get to live, you know, with my friends and I guess share my husband. I mean, what would you tell yourself to make this okay? And the kids would be like, well, it's like having a lot of cousins, I guess. And all of us in the same house. And we get a great deal on medical insurance. You know what I'm saying like you, you would have to tell yourself a story that makes your belief system okay. But we know now that it didn't work. It divided society. Here's what, here's what the enemy did. He divided the family so he could divide society. Then the enemy got smart. See, here's, here's a newsflash. Everything that's legal isn't good for you. What if it became legal again? Does that make it good for you? What if it became illegal not to? What if every family had a three-wife minimum? Would it make it good for you? Here's another news flash. The government is not God. It won't be here to counsel your children when they're, when they're messed up. They won't care. The short answer is it didn't work. It fractures home and fractures society. Now, you know that divorce fractures. Now you might be divorced. There is healing and there is reconciliation. And there is something that God wants to do in your life. And you can be made whole. I'm telling you that you can be made whole, but you know that Christmas gets more complicated. Why? Cause it divides right now. I got to divide myself and we got to go here and then we got to go there. And then we, and the homes and kids are living here. You know that it's dividing the enemy divided. Then the enemy got smart. Are you ready? You're not going to like it. The enemy went after the building blocks of marriage, which is this. You ready? And next week I'm talking about marriage and the, the beauty about marriage. You're going to love it. And the week after we're going to, I think I'm calling it fight night slash date night. Because <laughs> you always have a fight when you have a date night. And Pastor Aaron is going to help me preach how you deal with conflict in homes, which is hugely ironic for us. So, <laughs> so you're going to love it. Listen, the enemy went after the building blocks of marriage, which is this faithfulness, exclusivity until one of us dies. And I'm preaching to the seed of God in every heart. 
that knows that that's what it was. Into the heart of every one of God's daughters who is like, I know. God has many kids because he can love us all the same, but I know that there was only supposed to be one that could love me and care for me. And I know that I wasn't supposed to share that with anybody else. Exclusivity. Now, the devil invented a new polygamy that's more damaging. You ready? He figured out a way not just to fracture the family. He figured out a way to take it one step deeper and fracture the individual. Because if the individual is fractured, the family is fractured, society is fractured. We're trying to fix society, but you can't do that until, ready? Until God fixes the individual. Because it comes out of... He invented a new polygamy called promiscuity. Promiscuity is the new polygamy. He divided us and conquered us. Now, your sexual belief system about that can override your reason for a while. It will. Until the damage is done. But you know that marriage was supposed to be exclusive, faithful, and until one of us died. And that that was where sex was supposed to be. And only where it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be kept until the covenant was signed. It was the reward of the most committed relationship and most exclusive relationship on this planet with another human. Don't lose hope because God can get you back there. It was special until the devil made it common. Oh, you better understand it, Siri. We need to educate, somebody need to educate Siri. Now here's the, <laughs> that's hilarious. Here's the belief system. Here's the belief system that causes the idea of promiscuity. Because promiscuity is like, hey, just connect any way that you can. Random, here, there, wherever, just connect wherever you can, but it doesn't, it divides. So, so here, here is the belief that is underneath that, that I am a sexual being, which is true, and the body is made for sex, therefore, I will interpret it this way and try to express it and try to receive it in this way, which is like random, multiple partners. And even further than that, into our hearts and into our minds so that we are totally undisciplined as a society in how we think about sexuality and who we think about and all of the things. So do you know who's arguing this mostly today? In fact, the only people arguing this are sexually promiscuous people. Because celibate people don't argue that because they don't think that that's how you connect and that's where happiness comes from. Did you know that Jesus died celibate? And he wasn't unhappy and sexually frustrated. He wasn't. Paul the apostle, he was celibate. He was a celibate man. And he was perfectly happy and did more on this planet for good than anybody but Jesus, I think. You know who's not proclaiming the message of promiscuity are happy people who are healthy because this is the way that God made us for exclusive relationships. The only people that are proclaiming the message of promiscuity now are people who got caught by the fish hook. And rather than saying, I got caught, they're like, I was made for fish and chips. <laughs> and the devil's eating them up. He's like, I was made for this. I'm a sexual being. It's an old argument, and it was an old argument in Corinth. We're going to go back a few verses before 
what we covered last week and get into that too. First Corinthians six, the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying to, you know, one of the most lewd and lust filled populations on the earth in Corinth. He said a thousand temple prostitutes is what the, the Strabo, the Greek uh, historian said uh, in this city, not the temple of God, by the way, but Aphrodite, are we clear about that? Okay. Paul says, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. So he's like, your whole argument is like your stomach was made for food and your body was made for sex. So just have sex. But he starts going in and trying to destroy this argument. It's like, well, not everything is food though. But then he says, this is true though. Someday God will do away with both of them, both the stomach and food. So he's saying, some of you are finding your identity by what you eat. But he's saying, you're, not, you're, you're completely missing something here. You're finding your identity in sexuality. You're finding your identity on something on this earth. Think about it like this. Like, our entire identity is wrapped around what we eat or our sexual practices or our gender or our hair color or our... And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 no. All of this is getting burned in fire one day. In a few short years, you won't even be here. And what you take with you is not even going to have your current body. So like, I'm a meat eater. In heaven, it's not going to matter and nobody's going to care. Although Jesus owns the cattle on a thousand hills and it's delicious. <laughs> but how we're identifying down here is not going to matter because your body might not even need it. You might not need to eat healthy in, in heaven because you'll be healthy. And maybe you won't eat. I won't have to exercise because there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no unhappiness, there's no any of the disease on earth. So we're identifying on things down here and the enemy loves it. Because like, no, look to heaven. Like identify there before you get there. Jesus said, a bunch of religious leaders tried to trap him and, and gave him this story because uh, the next thing he says is... Um, you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. You're saying that the, the stomach was made for food, so eat whatever you want to eat. And he's like, you can't do that. You know, you're going to die of Big Macs. You can't do that. But then he says, your body was not made for sexual immorality. It was made for sexual morality. It's not the same thing. So you can't say like, hey, I'm just going to go and do this, whatever I want. He's like, no, it's not the same thing. Now, Jesus, uh, a group of... Sadducees, who are a, a religious sect in Israel, who are always Sadducee. <laughs> so they come up with a scenario with Jesus and they say, okay, okay, so we need somebody to present the story for Jesus because they were trying to trap Jesus. Now, society is trying to trap Jesus right now, which is always a little bit awkward because he already knows what you're going to say before you're going to say it. And you're wrong. So, um, so they say, well, okay, so a woman marries a man and he dies. And then because society said in the day, like, sh she needs to marry his brother so that they can raise up offspring so that the line of the family wouldn't go out. But then it's like, so he mar she marries the brother and then he dies. And then she marries, so seven, she marries seven of these brothers and they all die. And then she dies. And I'm thinking, who came up with this story? Like, who's the most depressed person in this room? We need somebody that... You know, the glass is not half empty. It's not even a glass. You know, like, I need the most depressed, angry person in the room come up with this insane story. And then they try to trap Jesus. And, they, and then they say, 
in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? And Jesus basically tells them, you don't even, you don't have a clue how this works. He says, in heaven, they are neither married nor given in marriage. They're like the angels of God. Meaning, angels are not on dating profiles. <laughs> and here's why. Here's just a thought that I want to bounce off of you. Angels don't date each other. They're not like, hey, what's up, baby? I'm like, oh, so I don't get, I don't get next to Gabriel, man. That guy is hot. <laughs> Jesus is saying it's not even like that. What he's saying is, when you get to heaven, I think this is what he's saying, is that there will be this total connectedness with everybody and Jesus, and like no barriers and final connection with everybody. And we're not limited to what we're limited to on earth. But if you try to do that here, you can't do it. You don't have the capacity here. So you can connect with God, but in marriage and in sexuality, you can only really connect with one person. That's the extent of your connectivity. And if you try to do any more, it's going to fracture you. He's saying, you don't even get how heaven works. And it says, your bodies were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. And don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ? Should a man take his body, this is going to get real, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. This is what he's saying. It is not just legal, it is accepted and expected here. But it's not helpful. Should you take what's part of Christ and go and share it and leave a piece of yourself with them? Because that's what you do. And then you carry a piece of them around with you until the Lord heals you. That's why you can't connect. Because you're not all there. And your spouse isn't all there either. And even if it didn't happen physically, it happened somewhere. And we're not all here, and that's why we can't connect. Until the Lord heals us. But he can't heal us until we say we're sick. And we need the healing of the Lord. Because we have all sinned. And our view has not reflected the view of heaven. And we were wrong. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin, like flee it. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And how can you feel love if you don't love you? Because if you sin against yourself, you don't... That is the heart of sin, by the way. And when you're apologizing for sin, stop calling it love. Well, I love you, but I did this thing. No, in that moment, you did not love. Love does not sin. So you cannot love yourself and sin against your own body. So you have to say, separate yourself from your sin and be like, I am not that person. I'm identifying with a person who is love because God is love. That's who he made me to be. And when I sin against you, that wasn't loving you. And I'm sorry for not loving you because love wouldn't have done the thing that I did. And he says, are you united to one uh, sexual immorality is a sin against your own body? Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do, I need to end it right here. You do not belong to yourself. See, promiscuity preaches, you belong to you. Come on up, worship. You belong to you. You can do whatever you want with your body. And Jesus is saying, you belong to me. You can't share yourself with another God and with another belief. So you can't share me and divide me. You got to pick. 
you do not belong to yourself. I think that we should get great hope because when you belong to yourself, you'll hurt yourself. But when you belong to Jesus, he'll never hurt you. I don't mean that hurt hasn't been done to you, and I don't mean that there's not a cross to carry. But everything Jesus does is good. Every one of his thoughts is good and perfect towards you. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to mature. He wants you to help someone. He wants you to fight in a war. But everything about him is good and can be trusted. You do not belong to yourself. Stop selling yourself. You belong to Jesus. When you belong to Jesus and you start acting like that, then you're like, oh, no, no, people like me don't do that anymore because I belong to Jesus. I'm a daughter of God Almighty. And he sees me as pure and I'm going to keep my purity for the Lord and that one person. Promiscuity includes anything outside of the holy union of marriage, whether in word, thought, emotion, or deed. Now, when we sin, we have an advocate named Jesus. But when we're talking about sexual purity, that's what we're talking about. Exclusivity, faithfulness, until one of us dies. The covenant commitment. I am here until I die. And you're not an animal, and you can decide for yourself what you want to do. But then you can do it, and the power of Christ will be with you. You don't have to do it because you're lonely anymore. Because if you're lonely, you don't have the best relationship with Jesus that you could have. I'm just going to be honest with you. You can be married and be totally lonely. Work on your relationship with Jesus so that every other relationship is just icing on the cake down here. But it's not the cake. My self-esteem does not come from my spouse. It cannot. That's too much of a weight for her. My dreams don't come from my spouse. They come from Jesus. And here's the deal. If I don't get what I need from her sexually or what I think I need from her sexually, I don't get it. And I'll find a way to live with it. And vice versa. Now, can I just, I need to say, say this thing. If you're married, the devil whispers to every married person, has this whisper that you'd be happy these two are married by the way this is not going to be weird like I'm picking out two random people like you, know, you guys gotta, ought to get married and have kids is that he'll tell Paul when Candace is having a bad day or when Paul's having a bad day or when Paul's just Paul <laughs> he'll tell Paul you know what somebody else could make you happy and somebody else would care about you and somebody else would have more sex with you I mean and the enemy will come to Candace at the same time and be like, you know what? Paul's a jerk. You'd be happy with somebody else. And it starts out with this whole, like, anybody else, basically, because I'm just unhappy and I'm like, they're not. And the devil whispers, you'd be happy with, with anybody else. And then it becomes somebody else. And then here's the problem. Here's the problem. When that temptation has a name, you have to do something about it. It's not wrong to be tempted. It's wrong not to flee temptation. And this is how we flee this temptation, confession. So I'm going to be totally honest with you. When that temptation has a name, it's not a sin to have the devil whisper a name to you and be like, you'd be happy with that person. When that temptation has a name, I talk to my accountability partner right there. Because it's not going to be some dirty little secret as if I want that. I don't want that. That's why I'm announcing it. I'm choosing to live out of my best life. And even when the pastor Aaron has a bad day, it doesn't matter because I am with her. You know, you'll patch the boat if it's the only one you've got. 
options, no back doors. That's what we're talking about. Can we just bow our heads and let me just pray. Father, we, we know. We're just going to admit what we know. We're not going to be ignorant or prideful about it. That we've all sinned and fallen short. We've all imagined ourselves with somebody else. We, some of us need to save ourselves for our future spouse. And we need to start the journey of purity today. Because it would honor the Lord and stop fracturing us. Father, I pray that, I just want to give everybody an opportunity. Father, I'm going to lift my hand because, because that has happened to me. The devil has whispered names in my ear and that, that temptation has taken form in a person. And Father, I'm just going to just lift my hand. Okay, just open your eyes just for a second. I'm just going to lift my hand like this. That's it. Okay, now everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Don't look around. If you look around, somebody scream if you see somebody looking around. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. Father, we need to admit right now to the Lord that that temptation has a name often. And we just lift our hands and say, Lord, please help us. Single people, you can do that too. Because if, if you're not married to them, that's still a name. Father, it's somebody else's spouse, possibly. So Father, we just we lift up our hands and we admit that in the sight of the Lord. Now would the Lord come and start dealing with this uh, fracturing and this dividedness about us. Our hearts have not been connecting because we've been divided. We need the healing of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the Lord is able to fully heal every human and every person's heart, mind, body. And the Lord is able to make something beautiful. Even after the locusts have eaten away at our crops for years and years, the Lord is still able to redeem everything according to the greatness of his name. And we lean on the name of the Lord. We trust the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name.